So I'm just going to start with my introduction. You know, I, I feel like these lights are really uh, shining off my head. Are they really shining <laughs> off my head? Thank you. I don't need it. One of the first times I preached, my son Luke, who, who's a, a policeman in Greenville, after the service, he says, Dad, you know, your head was really shiny tonight. And then when I watched the, the, the recording of it, I'm like, wow, it really was. So. What I was going to show this, e this evening for a, uh, the video was, was two tortoises. One was on its back, and the other one came alongside and did what it could do to help it get back on its stomach and on its legs. And I'm like, wow, God instilled in a tortoise a desire to help his brother. A tortoise. I'm reading from Genesis 4.1. It says, Now the man had relations with his wife Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain, and she said, I have gotten a man-child with the help of the Lord. Again she gave birth to his brother, Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the flocks. But Cain was a tiller of the ground. <clears throat> so it came to pass about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Abel, on his part, also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard to Abel and for his offering. But for Cain and for his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry, and his countenance fell. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, you will not... I'm sorry, if you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you but you must master it. Cain told Abel, his brother, and it came to pass, which means they, they, they conversed, and they went out in the field, and it came to pass when they were out in the field that Cain rose up against his brother, Abel, and he killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where's your brother? And Cain said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? So if, if you're to walk away with one thing tonight, and I'm going to try and, and, and keep this to a, a, a very short message, I want you to be settled in your heart with this question. Are you your brother's keeper? Don't raise your hand, don't say yes or no, but indeed contemplate the question 
and answer in your heart. Are you your brother's keeper? Now let's go to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, we'll start reading at verse 1. Brethren, if anyone is caught in, a trespass, in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each man, I'm sorry, but each one must examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone, and not in regard to another. For each will bear his own load. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we come before you this evening joyously Lord we've just practiced the ordinance of the church we we proclaim your death until you until you come each time and we rejoice in that what a glorious day that will be Lord but this evening I pray that our hearts would be open, that they would be softened, and that we would see indeed we are our brother's keeper. And then upon seeing that, Lord, and upon realizing that, that we would begin to keep our brother. Lord, help me to communicate the truth of your word in a clear, plain sense. This I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So I have to do something, and it's going to be noisy. So... probably where it's going to get noisy. Does that work? Can you hear me still? Amen. Christianity 3.1. Am I my brother's keeper? What was Cain's response to God? He just killed his brother. 
The first murder in the Bible. Did God know where Abel was? Certainly. Did God know what Cain did? Certainly. But he says, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Well, when we read Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 5, we see three imperatives. I, I, I probably shouldn't do that. I feel sort of like a... Anyway. There's three imperatives that deal with us as being our brother's keeper. How many of you, if you're walking down the street and you see a nail or you're crossing, you're crossing a walkway and you see a nail in the street, how many of you will bend over and pick it up? Okay. Quite a few of you. Why? Okay. You, you, don't, want, you don't want to have a perfect stranger get a flat tire. Or maybe you might drive past that way and you might get a flat tire. But normally we're thinking about the other person, a perfect stranger. We see soldiers on the battlefield when they have a fallen, a fallen brother, they, they, they help him up and they get him off the field. They don't leave him there by himself. In a, in a football game, after a running back or the quarterback or the wide receiver is tackled, a teammate comes and helps him up. If the unbelieving world does that, shouldn't we do it much the more? So look here, Galatians chapter 6, first imperative is restore. Restore your overtaken brother. It says in verse 1, brethren, if anyone is caught in a trespass, in any trespass, excuse me, and that's sin, you who are spiritual, restore, and that's a present active imperative. That's, that's, that's a command. That's not an option. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you will not be tempted. Any brother, not just your buddy, not your best friend, not your family member, the scripture says, if anyone is caught in any trespass, the word caught has the, has the implication of being overtaken. Something just, just, it just it fell upon the person suddenly. Maybe the person was caught off guard. Maybe there was a series of poor decisions that they made and then they were overtaken in a fault. Maybe it was pure carelessness. The person wasn't diligent to guard himself against sin. Nevertheless, there they are. They're overtaken in a trespass. Well, who is supposed to restore that one? Who's supposed to help that one out to, to untangle themselves in their trap of sin. Well, Paul said, you who are spiritual. You might be thinking, I'm glad that's not me. 
What does that passage mean, you who are spiritual? I know this isn't Bible hour, but, but what does that passage mean, you who are spiritual? Is that is like the woo, that kind of person, that kind of spiritual? Or is it the pastor, the elders, the deacons, the, the ones that are, I mean, those are the, the, the giants in the faith in the church? Is that who is spiritual? Who's the spiritual one? Paul said, brethren, you who are spiritual, that's us. That word spiritual means being governed by the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit. Walking in submission to the Spirit. That person. And if you are not spiritual, my question is, why not? I'm guessing there's probably like 200 people here. I don't know. There should be 200 spiritual people here if they're not visitors. Right? 200 people governed by the Spirit of God. 200 people who just participated in the Lord's table. Hence, they should be spiritually minded people. They should be governed by the Spirit of God. And it's those people whose Paul is directing this message to that if you see a brother, any brother who's overtaken in any fault, you who are spiritual, restore that one. This is in contrast to the carnally minded man. The spiritual man, and we see that through the Paul's, Paul's uh, epistles, we see that he contrasts the spiritual man with the carnally minded man. Let me read 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3. It says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as unto spiritual, that man governed by the Spirit. And if I say man, and if I say he, I mean man or woman, brother or sister. Okay, but I'm, just so you know, when I say he or the man, I'm referring to both. I could not speak to you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither are you yet able to bear it. For you're carnal, for as there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? See, there's a carnally-minded man and there's a spiritually-minded man. We know that the, the church of Corinth had a lot of problems. The, the flavor uh, of 2 Corinthians is a lot different because they responded to Paul's rebukes and they changed. So here I'm just using this passage as an example. There's the carnally-minded believer. They were believers. Let's see, if we go back to chapter 1, he wrote to the saints in Corinth, they're brethren, but they were carnal. Here he's saying, you who are spiritual, and friends, that should be all of us, shouldn't it? All of us should be governed by the Spirit of God. So the spiritually minded person should restore that one. That word restore has the idea of a mending of a net or setting a broken bone. So it's not just throwing a scripture verse at that person. We're good at that, aren't we? We know our Bibles. 
We know those verses, and we can throw those verses at our, our brother who's overtaken in a fault. That's not what this means. Restore. How many of you have had broken bones before? Okay, a lot. Some who aren't even raising their hands. I had broken bones before. How long does it take to mend a broken bone? Six to eight weeks? It's a process. It's slow. But we are to restore that one. We use the scriptures for sure, but we also help them through that situation. Again, this is a person who they just been overtaken in a fall. In a spirit of gentleness, we need to approach and help our brother gently as to not make the situation worse and to accomplish the goal of restoration. You didn't, we didn't do the video, so um, there was a tortoise. That, uh, again, the, the one tortoise was on its back, and its, its pal tortoise came up and got behind it, and it just nudged it and nudged it and nudged it, and next thing you know, the tortoise went right side up, and off they went. So the tortoise was careful. It didn't, it didn't flip it so hard that it rolled it over again. Okay, I'm just using the tortoise illustration here. There was a spirit of gentleness. The goal of our brother who's overtaken in a fault is to restore him or her, right? So we do it gently. Certainly, we lose, use the scriptures. The scriptures are our basis of authority. But we do it gently with the goal of restoration. I've, I've seen several videos of people rescuing animals, birds, waterfowl that have gotten six-pack, the, the plastic six-pack holder things that people throw in the garbage and, and the birds got wrapped up and it's a wild bird so it's struggling and so they gently, they gently hold the bird and they untangle the bird, that plastic thing that they can't free themselves of and eventually they'll die. We've seen whales get untangled from from fishermen's nets. I've seen horses get untangled. Videos, not in real life. I've seen videos of horses getting untangled from barbed wire fences. And, and these are wild animals that fear, that, that, that they have the fear of man. And so all these people are using the utmost caution and gentleness to free them from what they're entrapped in And that's how we are to restore our overtaken brother. Gently. Each one looking to yourself so that you will not so that you also will not be tempted. So we need to examine ourselves. We need to take the necessary precautions to avoid getting caught up in the same sin. And that's the idea. So those people who are freeing that horse from the barbed wire fence, 
and they're cutting it and they're trying to calm the horse and, and next thing you know you got this whole mess of barbed wire here that's, that's around you and the horse once it's loose it's going to bolt so the danger is still there so you need to be careful not to get entangled in that same thing and that's the idea here when we restore that one in the spirit of gentleness and we take care of ourselves so that we will also not be tempted So it costs us something. It's, 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 it's involved. And in Spanish we say, we say, but vale la pena. Vale la pena. It's worth the effort. Is helping out your brother, is helping out your sister who is over-entangled in a fault, is it worth the effort to see them restored? Is it worth the effort? So how do we do that? So what does that look like? Restoring our brother or sister who's overtaking it. First, we must have a caring spirit for the brethren so that you become keenly aware of where your brother in Christ is struggling and how to become or, or how he has become entangled in his sin. So we need to have a, a spirit of, 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 of watchfulness I almost say we need to have a shepherding spirit. And we really do. I mean, we really do. A care for the flock. A care for one another. Now, I have my circle of friends in the church. The people that I, I, I make sure I say hi to, and I shake hands, and I hug, and, 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 and so I, I try to keep an eye on how they're doing and, and we can tell, I mean Pastor Mike alluded to it today, if everyone's participating they're, they're right with the Lord and so we know, we notice when Brother Bobby or Sister Susie hasn't come to church or they're coming to church a little downtrodden we don't know why especially if we don't ask oh but my life is so busy. I got, I got so many other things to do. I mean, I, I leave here. I, I got to go home. We got to do lunch. And, and then I got to do what I need to do. And then I got to prepare for the evening service. And I got choir practice or I, whatever it is. We're just so busy. And to get involved in Brother Bobby or Sister Susie's life, it's going to take time. I don't have time for that. Doesn't it take time? You can't get out of here when you want to get out of here. No, so we come to church and like I'm, I'm, I'm going to say hi to him and her and them and whoever and I'm, I'm going to sing and I'm going to worship and I'm going to get fed with the word of God and I'm going to have my heart challenged by the word of God and then I'm going to go home. I'm going to shake a few more hands on the way out. I'm going to get in my car. I'm going to go home and eat and sleep. Right? It's what we do. It's what we do. <laughs> and then someone stops you on your way out. Or you see your, your you see Brother Bobby or Sister Susie sitting by themselves. Uh-oh, something's up. Now, if you don't care about that and you just you just beelining it to the door, you're gonna walk right past it 
and you're not going to pay, you're not going to be willing to invest your life in them. Fine. And then you, off you go, and you, 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 you said hi to who you wanted to say hi to, you sung, you worshiped, your heart was challenged with the word of God, you're going to go out, you shook those hands, and off you go without really investing yourself in anybody else. Meanwhile, there's hurting people. There's brothers and sisters who have been overtaken in a fall. And you have no idea because you weren't willing to roll up your sleeves and find out what's going on. So we have to have that caring slash shepherding spirit. Secondly, you must have a humble, loving spirit with the restoration of your brother as the final goal, not an I told you so attitude. I told them this was going to happen. They didn't listen to my counsel. And so there you have it. They made their bed. Now it's up to them to lie in it, right? I told them that this was going to happen. They didn't listen to my counsel. Do we do that? I knew this was going to happen. I can think of three, for instances, in, in our church in Panama where young ladies were going, into, going to start a relationship with an unbelieving man. And I said, and they didn't seek my counsel. I saw it happening. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, this isn't God's will for you. You shouldn't do that. You're just, you're, you're, you're stepping outside of God's will and you're, and you're, you're going to, it's not going to turn out well. They didn't listen. The two of the three got married. They have miserable marriages because they went into that unequal yoke when they were told, when they were counseled not to. And the other never got married, but got pregnant instead and gave birth to a child. And the guy took off. And in no case, and I'm not puffing myself up, my, my heart was to see them restored, to see them untangled. I never said, I told you this was going to happen. What does that accomplish? So we must have a humble, loving spirit with restoration of the purpose as the person as our final goal. Then, with gentleness and self-care, taking heed to yourself, we certainly use the scriptures and we walk that brother or that sister through the spiritual process of confession, repentance, and restoration. We come alongside of that person the entire time. We help them through the entire situation until the end. That is restoring your brother who's overtaken in a fall. Doesn't happen in a day. Doesn't happen in a week. It takes time. It takes sacrifice. It takes you putting aside your endeavors 
to help your brother that's overtaken in a fault. If a tortoise has the instinct in itself to help his fellow tortoise, can't we? If we're going to bend over and pick up a nail out of the road so that someone gets a someone doesn't get a flat tire, can't we at least be that aware of the brothers and sisters in church who are struggling and need us to come alongside them and help them through this get untangled? Are you your brother's keeper? Yes. Yes. The second imperative. It says, bear one another's burdens. Again, this is, this is an imperative. And, and uh, along with the first imperative means to keep on, keep on restoring the ones who are overtaken in the fault. Keep on bearing one another's burdens. And this relates, and all these imperatives are so closely intertwined. I'm separating them just for the, the point of, of, of teaching the passage, but they're all so closely intertwined. This relates back to restoring your entangled brother. Part of it is bearing his burdens. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. First of all, I'm going to end at, I'm going to begin at the end of the passage so it would make more sense. What is the law of Christ? That's the question that you should be asking. What is the law of Christ? Well, first, let me define that. Nelson, in his, in his commentary of the New Testament, says the law of Christ referred to here is probably the summation of the law, love your neighbor. He gives the passage, the references. When, when the Pharisees saw that the Sadducees couldn't trip up Christ, they sent a lawyer, and the lawyer went to Jesus, and he says, tell me, Rabbi, which of God's commandments is the greatest commandment? And you know what Jesus said. The greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. And what? Love your neighbor as yourself. In these two consist all the law and the prophets. Love God with everything that you have. Love God with your being and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, so we know what fulfilling the law of Christ is. Now, bear you one another's burdens. That bearing means to take up or carry. One another's, this is in contrast to our natural, selfish struggle that we all have. We, we're, 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 Maybe not all of us, but I know I'm selfish. I know I'm selfish. Well, that's his problem. That burden that he's carrying, that's his problem. I warned him, didn't listen. Now he's in it. That burden, that means a weight. There's something that we carry. It could be unexpected challenges. Could be problems with, of life that we face. Could be a self-inflicted wound, spiritually speaking, or not. 
but they're all the things that we have to deal with in life. is sickness, death, financial struggles, spiritual struggles, work-related struggles, interpersonal struggles, all the things that we have to deal with, deal with with life. So here we go. This is my stuff. This is what I have to bear. This is mine. This belongs to me. And these are my struggles of life, the things, I'll get a little bit higher so you can see. And, and this is what I carry. Now this one here, this is for you. This one is for you. So I come alongside my brother. Now I was going to have a third backpack so that I would bring somebody up here, but I didn't want to embarrass anybody. I'm just going to embarrass myself. <laughs> so I walk up to my brother who, who, who's burdened down. The things that we carry. And he's got one backpack. So he's burdened down, and I'm going to reach into his backpack because I've noticed he's struggling. So I'm going to reach into his backpack and I'm going to take part of his load out, and I'm going to stick it in this one. Because I've just made his load lighter. My load has gotten heavier. But so what? Because I love God with all my being, and I love my neighbor as myself. So it doesn't matter. I've just made his load light, and I'm good. That's the whole idea. Are you willing to take the burden off your brother who's, 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 who's burdened down with the weight of whatever it is that he's carrying? And we carry all kinds of stuff. But if he's burdened down with that, with that weight, and you can help him because you should have your second bag for the brethren. You got yours, stuff that you carry. Yeah, but Mark, he's only got one bag. He's not going to reach in and take it. So what? It doesn't matter to me. Scripture says that I am to bear his burden. I love, I'm fulfilling the law of Christ as if bear you one another's burden and so fulfill the law of Christ. I love God with all my heart, my soul, my mind, my strength, and I love my brother as myself. So I'm going to reach in there. I'm going to make his load a little bit lighter. But conversely, that means that my load's a little bit heavier. But I say with all reverence, so what? Right? I gotta make sure I don't fall. So how do you do that? Well, obviously it's on a base uh, case by case situation. However, this I can say for sure, you need to be willing to get involved in your brother's life. You need to be willing to get involved in your brother or sister's life. Again, you have to be willing to get your hands dirty. Are you willing to get your hands dirty for your brother, for your sister, who's just burdened down? So what does that look like? Well, it could be coming alongside of them. Brother, I noticed that you're sort of down. Can we just sit down and pray? 
or just even telling your brother or your sister that you love them? I mean, a couple encouraging words can make a whole difference in, in how they continue on. Maybe sending a text message telling them that you love them and, and send them an encouraging verse. Calling them up, going out to lunch with them, whatever it is to make their burden a little bit lighter, but you have to be willing to take part of it on yourself or it won't work. I don't mean it won't work. You're, you're, not, you're not going to make their burden lighter if you don't take part of it upon yourself. And it involves your life. But we have our lives. We're so busy. We can't imagine of involving in one more person in our life and their problems. Until that person is you. And you're wondering where's your brother or sister to help you. You know how easy it is for a pastor to shepherd a flock when we're shepherding ourselves? You know how easy it is? You know how much healthier the body of Christ is when we shepherd one another? I had just a little, I don't say I had, I had the privilege of shepherding a small flock of 25 to 30 people in Panama. I couldn't keep up with all that. 25 to 30 people. Now we have five pastors, and I don't know how many people, but when I go to the Grace Church of Menor website and I, I see members, and there's like a thousand something people divided by five, that's 200 per pastor. You think he can keep tabs on everyone's life. But when we are aware, when we're having a shepherding, a caring spirit to look out for one another, it makes it that much easier. And the body of Christ is that much healthier. Isn't that neat? But you know what? got to roll up the sleeves you got to be willing to sacrifice your time to help out your brother you got to be willing to willing to have both of these both your stuff and their stuff finally the last imperative in Christianity 3.1 am I my brother's keeper is examine yourself look at verses 3 through 5 for if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another, for each one must bear his own load. Don't think you are something when the reality is you're nothing. That's, those aren't my words. That's what the scripture says. Let me read it again. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing. Ouch. But I'm a Sunday school teacher. I'm a deacon. I'm a pastor. I'm an elder. I'm, the church, I'm in the church choir and, and so on. You, you fill in the blank. 
You're nothing without Christ. Christ said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And can I add, I'm not adding to the scripture, but can I say, with Pastor Potter Sr.'s words, with a sanctified imagination, apart from Christ, you are nothing. Right? Nobody says amen to that. You're just a simple instrument in God's hands. And he does with us as he sees fit. We are nothing. So when I think I am something, and the reality is I'm nothing, what do I do? What am I doing? Someone tell me. Shout it out. What am I doing? I'm deceiving myself. I'm deceiving myself. I'm deceiving myself. Not somebody else. I think that's interesting. Romans 12.3 says, For though we grip... I'm sorry, for through... For through see, I'm normally... I'm used to quoting these things in the King James, and now I've transferred to the NASB, so that's why my, my reading is clunky. But I'm going to try and do my best. For though the grace... <laughs> I can say it in Spanish real well. Si, hermano. Así es. For through the grace given to me, I say to every, everyone among you, to not think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. So we shouldn't think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. Because in reality, we're what? Nothing. Nothing. Okay. And in the same chapter, Romans 12, verse 16, he says, Be of the same mind toward one another. Be not haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Be not wise in your own estimation. That hurts. Finally, 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands. I think that's important. Let him who thinks he stands take heed that, he's the not, that he does not fall. So the idea of here is comparing yourself with your fallen brother is wrong on so many accounts. And again, this is intertwined or I'm sorry, it's not intertwined. It's related back to uh, looking to yourself. You know, if we are to restore our brother who's overtaken in a fault, we are to do it with a spirit of gentleness, looking to ourselves so that we don't also get caught up in that, in that sin. So Paul is just elaborating this further. If anyone thinks he is something, when he, yes, you're going to help your brother, but keep in mind, you're really nothing. You're just an instrument in God's hands. So comparing ourselves to our fallen brothers wrong on so many accounts. Instead, we are to examine ourselves and rejoice over what the Lord has done in our lives, not in how much better we are compared to our brother who's fallen or is overtaken in the fault. 
understand that 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 wording there's a little it's a little weird and I, I really had to study to because well, we shouldn't be boasting in anything but the idea is rejoicing he has something to glory and you rejoice in, in what God has done in you and that, that rejoicing is just between you and God it's, and you're not rejoicing that 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 hey I was able to help him. I was able to help her and all. That's not the idea. You, you rejoice in what God has done in you. And not how much better you are than the brother who, well, that would never happen to me. But each one must examine his own work. And that's the final imperative. We are to examine our own work. It means put it to the test, to prove it. You know, David, when David went out to, and I'm, I'm almost done, and I apologize for going long, because it's supposed to be a lot shorter than that. But uh, David was supposed to, to go out and fight the giant, Goliath. So what did Saul do? Well, let me see. Called him into the, to the palace, and he says, here's my armor. And we know that Saul was head and shoulders above all the other men of Israel, right? That's what the scripture says. They saw Saul, he was head and shoulders above all the other people of Israel. And David's just a young boy. Saul gives him his armor. And, and David puts it on and he says, I really can't go out with this because it hasn't been proven yet. He hasn't put it to the test. It's just a little kid. We are to prove, we are to test ourselves, our own work. But each one must examine his own work and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. For each one will bear his own load. And that word load is not the same as the word, uh, well, I know it's not a Spanish word, Very burden, burden in verse two. Burden is a weight. The load in this, in, in verse five, is a task or service, your ministry. What God has gifted you, what God has called you to do, you are to bear that. That's the stuff that's in your bag. That's the stuff that's in your bag. But you need to carry it. So in Christianity 3.1, we see three imperatives with respect to being our brother's keeper. We are to restore our overtaken brother gently, taking heed to ourselves, lest we all should be tempted. We are to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill what? The law of Christ. And we are to examine our own work and rejoice in what God has done in us before him. Are you your brother's keeper? Oh, yes. Let's be busy about it. Let's take it seriously. It's going to take you getting involved in their lives. It's going to take you filling it up, spending time, loving, encouraging, shepherding, caring for one another. then the pastor's job is that much easier, the body of Christ is that much healthier, and God is magnified that much more. Amen? Amen. Let's be busy about it. Let's pray.
Lord God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for allowing me to communicate your word to these dear folks, my family, whom I love. Lord, I know that there is a spirit of love and unity amongst us all. Lord, help us to not think of our own things, but everyone to think on the things of the other so that we would be willing to restore our brother, that we would be willing to bear one another's burdens, and that with a humble spirit we would always be examining our own work and that we would indeed be our brother's keeper faithfully for your honor and glory. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.